Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Taking you out to the West Coast here for a very different type of podcast, but one that I think you are all going to find quite interesting. We are speaking with David All. He is host of Belly of the Beast Life Stories and Beyond the Belly. And David, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods. Thanks for having me, Matthew. So you are all about transformation. And man, what a time to be talking about transformation. It feels like we are all going through that right now. But take us back a little bit just to sort of set this up. Why? Why did you feel like you wanted to tackle this? And and why did you want to do this in podcast form? Absolutely. So when I talk about transformation, just to use the metaphor of the caterpillar going down into the cocoon and then eventually crawling up the butterfly and starting to fly all around and and never really even looking back at that cocoon, right? There's never in the history of a butterfly have they tried to crawl back into their cocoon to become a caterpillar once again. And so <laughs> I, I feel like so often... We look at the butterfly as society and we're like, wow, they're, they're amazing. They're so talented. They do such amazing things for the world. They're making such a big impact. And we rarely see how that all happened and how a forced change in someone's life can really force us down into that cocoon. And even though like right now we're all kicking and screaming in our little cocoons, the reality is every single one of us is changing and we're going through serious transformation. And so for me, the podcast has allowed long form storytelling to take the front seat at a person's personal transformation story. So the idea of oral history is really important to me. And the hero that I look up to is a Pulitzer Prize winner <laughs> named Studs Terkel, Chicago journalist who really invented this idea of just interviewing anyone. And it could be 45 minutes with the elevator operator, just talking to them about what they do in the world. And he realized, and what I believe is true as well, and why I love podcasting, is that it's the moments when people pause that real genius is able to come out of them. And it's only when people are able just to talk and tell their story and let it all go and get safe and feel comfortable that we get the best emotional storytelling. I love that idea that you talked about, the pause. We always talk about how podcasting is such an intimate medium, how it allows you to add so much more to your words than what you print on a paper. And you're right that a dramatic pause can have so much more impact on the end user than just a comma or an ellipsis or, or something like that. What were you doing before this? Why did you feel like this was your mission in life to find these stories and tell them? Speechwriter for U.S. Senator. 
Oh, okay. I was in Capitol Hill for about <laughs> 10 years and pioneered social media and politics. I was one of the early founders of that type of medium. And, you know, I guess my whole life, I started working with bigger brands like Google and Burning Man and Intel and always using storytelling and oral history, using real stories of people within their own audience to help tell stories and reach the audience and in fact, engage them and move them. And I moved to LA to start a show, right? I mean, I wanted to start what I thought was like an Oprah Winfrey slash new David Letterman style TV show. And I went through all of the, you know, I had the producers, I had the theater picked out, I had everything ready to go except the guests. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I don't, I'm no one, right? I'm from Midwest boy. Yeah, I've done like 40 events and storytelling events and they're somewhat successful, 700 people. But beyond that, I didn't have like the caliber of guests that would make a TV show even possible. And so I put it on the back burner and about six months later, a few friends of mine had some podcasting equipment and they were like, Hey, why don't you just try it out? And I was like, yes. And literally <laughs> the next day I was over there, I interviewed them. <laughs> I interviewed them about their belly of the beast life story. And it was like, pure magic and they've never let me air those shows but they were just like you, you could hear the beauty and i had nailed the episode format and so it was enough for me just to say this this is it i love that because i tell so many of my clients and folks who are getting started for the first time so should i get the biggest guest first should i do this i was like interview your friends or colleagues or someone who will give you a lot of latitude because that first time you're going to get behind the microphone and do an interview, either you'll be nervous or something will go wrong. Or if nothing else, taking all that pressure off of you by interviewing someone who you know and trust and is forgiving will allow you to do a good job. And so I love that you interviewed your friends. I'm sorry they haven't let you air it. I, I hope one day they'll let you do some sort of best of with it or you know look back or something where you can at least air a little bit of it because i'm sure that's some really really great material for your listeners who have been you know on this journey with you so where does the name come from why belly of the beast and beyond the belly it's a great question it's a very classic literary term belly of the beast it comes from jonah and the whale a biblical term in fact <laughs> a biblical story it also shows up in pop culture, so Star Wars, musicians. I mean, you'll hear Belly of the Beast all the time once you have a, a show titled Belly of the Beast. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere. But it literally does mean down into the cocoon. You know, Jonah, when he was snatched by the big fish after he was setting sail and didn't want to be the prophet, he was snatched and driven down to the bottom of the ocean. And it wasn't until he fully surrendered in the belly three days later that the fish took him up to the beach and vomited him out. There are different versions of that story, but you know it was in that belly of the beast, in that cocoon, what Chip Conley, a best-selling author who was finale for season one, called the dark, gooey stage of life. It was there that he was transformed. And he said, you know, the only thing he does know about his life is that he's the prophet of God. And 
The same with Jesus Christ when he was in the in the cave. You know, we never hear that story of you know him dying on the cross and then going into the cave and then resurrecting three days later. Very similar stages of transformation there. So yeah, it's that's where the name comes from. It comes from the fact that we're all going to go through this belly of the beast life experience, and the show focuses very specifically on that. There's no chit chat. There's no side conversations. People don't really talk about their latest round of funding or pitching their new business or anything like that. It really is just that manna for the soul, right? It's just the dark of the night, that moment of what they felt was their weakness. And when they felt like they couldn't control anything, that's in fact when they found their purpose and they climbed up to that. So do you think that since your time before this podcast, is this project your transformation or did you have a transformation before that led you to this moment? Definitely. I I mean, I'm very adaptable and I feel like I've been on my own journey. I started by telling you that I was a speechwriter for U.S. Senator, and you know I never wanted to be a speechwriter. I never wanted to go to Washington D.C. <laughs> I never wanted to work in politics. I never wanted to be a CEO. But when you're good at something, you just keep doing it. And there's a lot of social pressure to do that. But in reality, I built up this identity that wasn't who I was on the inside, and it was a divisive individual, right? This political consultant, Carl Rove 2.0. <laughs> one, one magazine called me the most evil person on the internet. And it was not true. And it really hurts to read that kind of stuff when it's not true. I had my own identity crisis where I had to abandon my identity. And then in doing that, lost my company, lost my girlfriend, And then ultimately was diagnosed with bipolar disorder that took me back home to Columbus, Ohio from San Francisco. And I surrendered there, right? Some home cooking from mom helped nourish me back along with being able to find my own story. Along with that, it was as a social entrepreneur and doing things as much good for the community as I could do, whether it was organizing a wearable technology event for civic good or creating an event called Startup Storytellers to let entrepreneurs tell that story of their authentic journey and demystify entrepreneurship a little bit. And then ultimately to find my calling, to realize that I am this master storyteller and that my gift is to help tell other people's stories. And that's what I'm doing in the world now. I like the fact that you acknowledge your superpower that's the new way that entrepreneurs talk about their skill set. It's their superpower, right? And you acknowledge it. You don't run from what it is, but you transformed how you use it. And I think that's incredible and very cool to be able to acknowledge that and use it in this way. So right before we hit record, you were telling me that season two is all about parenting and that transformation. And you've got a really exciting season three, which I want to get to, but take us through why the concept of seasons for the show. Why did you not just say, eh, here's a running list of cool people that I talked to, whatever, enjoy it at your leisure. It's a really great question. And one that I've never been asked. (laughs) Oh, Um, In fact, this is my first (laughs) podcast I've ever done, uh, to be honest. So I wanted to, um, 
I mean, you have such a good cause here and you have such a great show. And so I wanted to do that. So it's the seasons of life. And I realize that people are going to be going through similar events in their life. And I wanted it to be easy for my listeners, whether 10 years from now or 20 years from now, to look back and see an entire section of stories that are all close to what they would want to listen to. So I designed everything I'm doing long before I hit record. (laughs) I designed the seasons, I designed the episodes, how they're going to run. Everything was very well thought out. And I believe that you have to do that. I know that there's a lot of folks who say, just do it, just get out there, just try it, you know, do this type of thing. But for me, the way that I operate and the way that I create media is that I want to create something with the best potential for impact, not only now, but 150 years from now. And so I had to think about, well, how are people going to be able to find all the content related to LGBTQ issues or criminal justice issues or parenting issues. And so the best way I thought about doing that is by color coding the seasons so that visually people can see down the road. So all of my seasons have a particular color pattern. And then also by topics and themes. So right now we're in season two for love of my child. And then season three, tentatively called The Forgiven, but we're going to focus on criminal justice issues and just that whole, you know, the forging that happens in that cauldron of the criminal justice system for folks to help transform them. That is going to be some insanely good content because you hear the stories and you know what is going on, both those that are able to get through it the way you're supposed to and come out on the other side and, you know, reformed and rejuvenated and new purpose. And then all the other people who go through it and it it just destroys them because it's not a fair system for everybody, even though that's what it's supposed to be. I appreciate you talked about, you came out West and you wanted to have the television show and your producers and like you have everything planned out. So you really are a master planner and someone who takes very good care of what you are going to be doing with it. What were some of the things that you learned along the way specific to creating audio content that surprised you or you think would be good advice for somebody hearing this thinking, wow, I wish I'd known that when I get started. Honestly, if I would have known that there was a consultant out there like you (laughs) that you can hire (laughs) to sort of jump ahead of the line and not figure it out the hard way or not spend all of your time researching audio equipment and all of the different hosting platforms. And I mean, honestly, I would suggest checking out you or, or someone like you, someone that offers consulting services. If someone's thinking about it, the two things that matter the most to me, I guess that I would give advice to people. The first is to record an entire season of content first before you publish anything. That way you're well ahead of the game. And I mean, if when I go back and listen to like my early episodes, like the very first few that I put out there, I mean, I was not nearly the host I am today. And I'm not, I give myself grace. You know, I'm not too critical (laughs) of myself. 
But just knowing how much I was able to really refine things because I had a full season in the can and I could just then focus on distribution and learn all of that because there's so much work that goes into that. I mean, that's the hardest part for me is just getting the content out and doing so effectively. So I think number one, hire a consultant. Number two, record an entire season of content. And in that, I would say do seasons so that you can give yourself a natural break instead of doing the keep going, keep going, keep going thing. And then the third is just audio quality. And again, I know some folks are happy to record on their iPhones or whatever with like Anchor and that kind of thing. But for me, it's well worth the money to have a quality sound engineer who loves and is super passionate about editing and that's what they do and they can fit right into your workflow. The whole system is not that expensive once you get it by quality. <laughs> we can hear you right now. It's a good setup that you got going there and it seems like you're in a, a really good groove. I'm curious, you focus so much on the seasons and I think there are so many people that want to go down the season route and conventional wisdom says, unless you are going to break things up into themes or unless you have the marketing machine to reactivate your listeners in between seasons, it is such a tough thing to do that you have to stay consistent. You have to be there week in, week out so that you don't lose listeners to something else along the way. How do you keep your listeners or what is your plan to, once season one ends, get everybody back in for season two? Well, now two to three. And the other thing is that I have two podcasts. And so with Belly of the Beast Life Stories, I'm very, 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 very rigid. And the format will never change. It's always going to be what it is. Nothing is ever going to change from what I'm creating there. With Beyond the Belly, that's my show let me just say that I'm very flexible with that and I'm loving it. Right. It's kind of like my little back channel with my listeners and with a whole different audience of like healers and coaches and conscious leaders and folks that want to learn about meditation and just things that you can learn in the healing world. And what are the overall patterns of transformation? Right. So it's a totally different, it's not as relatable. It's not manna for the soul. It's a different kind of thing. And I don't have seasons for that. And I love it. And I love that it's just there and I have content ready and I just kind of put it out when I want. And people ask me for more content. I'm like, it'll be out soon. Look, I think the most important thing is to find something that you really care about and really focus on what matters to you because content for content's sake is not a good idea. It's way more work than you could ever imagine. It's as much work as you want it to be, I think. (laughs) And so I would just say, search within yourself to find something that you care about and just start putting content out there. But yeah, I do like the season format for something like that. Well, I like both, I guess, in different ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely the idea of passion. If you don't want to be here doing this and talking about it, nobody wants to hear you doing this or talking about it. And the shows that I see that excel, that succeed, that rise to the top of, if it's important to you, the charts or social or engagement, the ones that you could just tell have 
that it factor, it all comes from the fact that the host just cares. It's not a chore. It's not a job. It's not a slog. They would do it if there was only one person listening. And so, therefore, they're better at it when 40,000, 50,000, a million people are listening. So I think that passion piece is really a good part of it. So for someone who is not familiar, what would you say is the best way for them to get started? Do they do the Beyond the Belly? Do they start with season one, episode one of Belly of the Beast? What would you suggest someone hearing this does to get acclimated with your work? Also a great question. I would say go to nourbelly.com and scroll around and get a feel for things. All of the stories are pretty well described. And if you want to listen to Martha Sternbach, she was the first episode that I did. You know, she's a Holocaust survivor and her talking about her belly of the beast experience is mind-blowing. Not telling her husband for over 40 years that she was in Auschwitz even though her husband's sister was also in Auschwitz-Birkana. I mean, these stories that have never come out, right? The other side of just how long this period of being in that belly of the beast was for Holocaust survivors. I think that's an incredible story. Chip Conley, he's a best-selling author. He wrote Peak, which is one of my favorite books about business and psychology and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. His episode 13, Confronting Suicide, is definitely the most listen to podcasts that I have. And then if you're interested in, if you have children, special needs, we're, we're dealing with that a lot. Mama with 10 children, three of those with special needs. Laura Hernandez's story is really great. Rachel Poisky's story of her two rare diseases in her family and then creating Coach to Cure, which is like this incredible nonprofit that all the AFCA coaches participate in, 10,000 of them world throughout the country. The college coaches, they wear a patch and raise money for this rare disease. Jeez, Charlotte Austin Jordan, I mean, losing two children innocently to gang violence. I mean, where do where do I start? Where do I begin? Where do we end? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, they just, they're all incredible stories. I would just find any of them that relate to you. And let me echo what you said. The website is very well done and all of the podcasting assets of the show are very well laid out. Everything, it does have a thorough description. So like David was saying, if you're listening to this, you can absolutely find what you want. There's no mystery as to what you're going to be getting yourself into. Before I ask my usual closing question, although I think you kind of answered it already, we always want to promote a good cause that our guests are passionate about. And for you, you brought up peaceforkids.org. You want to tell us a little bit about what they do, your support for it. And of course, we'll put a link to them and, and why people should take a look at them and help them out. Yeah, well, thank you very much for giving Peace for Kids a platform. And by the way, it's the number four, Peace for Kids. Peaceforkids.org. Yeah. yeah, so they're based in Compton in Los Angeles and they're helping out foster children in the sense that they create a program every Saturday for adults throughout the community to come and build a relationship with youth in the program. And of course, people get involved like me thinking, oh, I'm going to go and help someone. But in reality, the kids are helping me just as much, right? I mean, they are, they're smart, they're very quick, and they're on top of things, and they've got great big hearts. They've got a mobile kitchen 
where I help do a lot of the cooking, teaching kids knife skills and other healthy ways of eating. And it's just an incredible program. Zaid Gale was actually one of my interviews, one of my episodes on season one. So you can listen to his incredible story as well, his transformation. And yeah, thanks a lot for supporting peaceforkids.org. I'm wondering what is going on in the midst of this global pandemic. How are they responding? How are they pivoting? What are you able to still do given some of the rules and the orders that are in place by federal and and local officials? Like everyone else, they've been having Zoom programming. They've been doing athletic. There's like Coach Landon (laughs) will do uh, athletic programming for the kids and for the volunteers. And everyone's just a big family at Peace for Kids. So each Saturday, there's a program from 10 to 11 where the leadership kind of runs through everything and has a few of the kids there to share as well. And then there's an after party where it's more like rewheel and zoom of like a hundred people. You can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And so David, before we let you go here, I know you also have something else coming up that you wanted to uh, just talk about and, and maybe share with our listeners. Yeah, Matthew, thank you so much. So over the past 20 years, I told you guys, I started out as a speechwriter for U.S. Senator and then working with big companies. It's always been storytelling. And I'm now turning to help all the coaches and the healers and conscious leaders out there tell their story of their personal transformation. So what I'm doing is organizing small cohorts of folks that want to go through a workshop with me, Underbelly Workshop. And we're going to help everyone have a self-discovery back to that part of their life to find new meaning in it. They're going to chart out their own journey. They're going to learn a bunch of cool tactics and tricks to tell their story in really flexible formats, just like I did here. And ultimately go through initiation where they tell their story publicly and then we all come back and we get to share what the feedback was and how just exhilarating that can be when you share a story for the first time and you get so much positive feedback. So yeah, check that out. It's Underbelly Workshops in our belly.com slash underbelly. I will admit I have not partaken in a lot of Zoom social activities. The best I've gotten is watching my kids do circle time with some of their other daycare kids in a Zoom meeting, but and then maybe a little Passover action. Well, once again, everyone, you can check out inourbelly.com. There you will find both Belly of the Beast and Beyond the Belly. Those podcasts are available in all the usual places where you search for podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the list goes on and on. And we have been chatting with David all And David, thank you for sharing your story. This has been great. Thanks for being here with us on CausePods. Thanks a lot, Matthew. And I really appreciate what you're doing for podcasts that may not be trying to do true crime or comedy (laughs) or, you know, some of these more popular things instead of trying to do something really meaningful in the world. So I appreciate you and respect that. And I see it. And I just want to thank you for, for doing this for all of us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. 
And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.